Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 280. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up, where we help women make radical progress in their careers. Today, I'm so excited to share a great conversation I had with a fellow career coach, specifically for my job seekers out there who are wondering, should I even think about launching a job search right now? Or if I were to start job searching, how long is this going to take me? And how on earth do I keep a sense of motivation and momentum going during such tumultuous and wild times? I hear you. I feel you. This episode is for you. You're going to love hearing from Letitia Bird, who's the CEO and founder of Bird Career Consulting, a talent development consulting agency serving organizations and top talent at the intersection of career empowerment, diversity, equity, and inclusion and leadership development, providing career resources and coaching to over 2,000 professionals all over the globe. Letitia discovered her passion for diversity and inclusion while managing recruiting within the accounting industry, developing innovative recruiting strategies and building talent pipelines with a special lens on diverse talent. So what I really love about Letitia's approach to career coaching is that she has the recruiter's inside perspective at the core of everything she does. She's got a tremendous business she'll tell you more about, and she's been featured in the New York Times, Market Watch, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Essence, Vogue Business, and more. Letitia, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. I'm excited to be here. So Letitia, first of all, tell our listeners how you got into working as a career coach to begin with. You come from the world of HR and recruiting yourself. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And, you know, I like to tell people that my business found me (sighs) and I uh, went to school for accounting. I was extremely involved when I was in college, had about five internships. I went straight into graduate school started off at a very well-known company. And so people started reaching out to me for career advice. People were like, hey, can you help me with my resume? Can you give me advice on how to get in with this company? So it really started off as a hobby for me, something that I was passionate about, which is helping people really uncover their full potential and be confident in pursuing their dreams. And as I started to see results from that and more and more people started to reach out, I said, you know what? The next person that reaches out to me, I'm just going to charge them. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how it started. 2000 plus clients later and hundreds of people that I've coached or done engagements, speaking engagements with my business really went from 
a passion project and a hobby to now something that I can offer and help so many people around the globe. That's fantastic. And it's interesting. I get a lot of accountants in my job search programs as well. I wonder if you feel like the world of accounting attracts people who are craving stability, you know, who go to school thinking, Mm -hmm. I got to get a degree that's going to get me that next rung of income and employability, which was drilled into so many of us back in the Great Recession and I think is happening again right now with all the uncertainty we're navigating in this economy. Yeah. Do you feel like starting in accounting and then turning towards your passions is something that a lot of job seekers who come to you for are looking for as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the reason why I got into accounting, it's because I've always been fascinated with money management yeah. In cash inflow and outflow. So I grew up in a single parent household. You know, my mother raised me. She worked two to three jobs. I started working at 15, you know, and yeah. even as a child, I became obsessed with understanding how to manage money, how to budget because I wanted to help my mom. Yeah. And I was maybe 10 years old in middle school saying that I wanted to be an accountant one day. (laughs) Now That's awesome. I know. It's so crazy. I think I was the exception because a lot (laughs) of my coworkers literally did accounting because they like, they said, you know what, I need some stability, like you said, Mm -hmm, and I know mm -hmm. that there will always be a job available to me. (laughs) But with that being said, I was able to transition from accounting to what I really enjoyed and loved, which was talent acquisition. So I managed recruiting for an accounting firm headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I am for about five offices up and down the East Coast. And I took that mm-hmm. position really twofold. One, I knew that I would enjoy it and, and love it. And secondly, I knew that it was going to give me really that on the job training and insight and uh, that I needed to be a successful career coach and entrepreneur. There's nothing like seeing what it looks like internally um, and using that insight to then help other people. Instead of me just being the gatekeeper, I wanted to actually be someone that is helping them kind of open the gates. That makes sense. I love that. What a great perspective shift. And I think being a recruiter makes for a very compelling career coach because you know Mm what recruiters are looking for, which can be a real challenge. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I saw a lot of the things that job seekers did that also hold, held them back in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, like I met so many folks that were absolutely phenomenal, whether it be on their resume or on their LinkedIn profile. And then you get them in an interview and they're very nervous and they're kind of stumbling over their words and they are also discounting really valuable experiences Mm -hmm. that they had. So it definitely gave me a lot of know-how as to here's what you should not be doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And here's what you should be doing. Or, hey, when you go into an interview, this is what they're asking you, but this is really what they're trying to figure out. I want to kind of go back to how you got started and what motivated you um, Mm -hmm. to get into accounting in the first place, because I think financial anxiety and on the flip side, financial empowerment is very relatable to so many of us at Bossed Up. Here, I've kind of shared very openly my 
embracing of accounting and budgeting and financial empowerment over the past 10 years myself, mm-hmm. having not really had much of that as a as a young person, um, and how much it's related to women and women's independence and and power in a world that still disproportionately impacts women and people of color and folks living on the margins mm-hmm. financially as well as socially in terms of our imbalance of power. So that's right. Given these challenging times, and by the way, everybody, we are recording this on election day morning. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I am feeling what it feels like to be operating in the face of uncertainty right now. For folks who are worried, who feel very risk averse because of scarcity, should they job search right now? You know, what's the over under on on whether or not you should start your job search or whether or not you should even think about job searching? versus that instinct to just hunker down, suck it up, deal with it, because at least you have a job right now? You know, that is a wonderful, wonderful question. And that is a question that I get all the time. We will find reasons to not step out of our comfort zone, Mm. just to affirm ourselves in our decision to stay complacent. Now, with that being said, I am not ever going to discount (laughs) the experiences of, you know, marginalized people and minorities during this time with the pandemic, with the economic downturn that we are in. But let me just say that companies are hiring Mm 24-7, 365. People are still getting job offers. People are negotiating salaries. People are relocating right now. Mm -hmm. So don't ever let an external circumstance hold you back from something that you know you want to do. By the time someone reaches out to me and they say, and they ask, Letitia, I'm dealing with this, this and that at my job. Should I go? Should I leave? You know, yeah. Of course, I am never going to tell someone to stay in a work environment that is harmful, emotionally harmful, you know, that is psychologically unsafe, that is unstable itself, you know, just because of fear of what else is out there. It's kind of like sports. You won't know if you make the team unless you actually go through with the tryouts. But if you have so many other reasons, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. everybody else that's trying out, they're so much better than me. Or, hey, I'm not really in in, in that great of a shape right now. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> right. You just well, you'll never you'll never know if you can right. land a job in, in 2020. <laughs> trust me, you could probably land a job in a year. Now, I get right. it. This is a hard year. But I think what's most important is to really take a step back and say, if I had to do this job for another year, two years, five years, 10 years, will I be fulfilled? Will I be satisfied? You know, Mm -hmm. will I be happy? Will I be at peace? And if all of those answers are a no or a heck no, then please start looking for a job. Will it be harder? Yeah, it is going to be harder. Looking for a job is not easy. And there's also never a convenient time to look for a job. You know, you just have to know that you're worth it and um, it will pay off in the end. Right. And there's a belief in the effort, 
I think that underscores what you're saying. Oh, yeah. We're not saying go. <laughs> We're not saying quit right now. We're saying start trying. Start trying because only at tryouts can you see if you make the cut. <laughs> I love that metaphor. Yeah. I love it. So when it comes to the job search, a lot of the statistics I saw, I think the most recent study I saw was from Randstad before the coronavirus pandemic really became a major thing here in the States. Earlier in 2020, they found that the average job search takes about five months. Yep. That's a long time in any year. But in 2020, it feels like time. What is time anymore? <laughs> we don't like, know. We don't right. even know what day it is and what time it is. And we just have the, the time change yeah. here. So everything yeah. is just off balance. And I feel like that stat came out before the pandemic became such a contributing factor. I'm sure it's even longer now. So when it comes to making progress in a very amorphous process that is the job search, how do you maintain motivation? How do you counsel your clients to keep on trying out even when it feels like it's really hard to measure progress in the job search? Man, you have to, you really have to stay motivated um, in this process. I think that job searching is one of the most humbling experiences that one can go through Mm -hmm. because you are dealing with, you know, you may see a lot of no's before you even get your first yes. Right. And it is like emotionally taxing to the point where if you continue to get no after no after no, that can start to take a hit at your self-confidence and what you feel you actually deserve. Definitely. And what I always tell people is that from the beginning, you have to celebrate your milestones, not based on external achievements, but internal ones. So what I mean by that is, let's say you make it a goal to apply to 20 jobs a week. I need you to celebrate that you actually did that. And not and when I say 20, I mean not just quick apply here, let me just throw in some information here and go, but actually making a concerted, customized effort to fill out this application and tailor it to the job. Like celebrate that. Let's yeah. say that you start having informational interviews or networking conversations, you know, with three people in one week. Celebrate that. Right. We always wait until the end result to celebrate. And that makes Mm. it really hard for us to enjoy the journey along the way. You know, job searching and I and I and I hate the year. (laughs) I hate like the economy that we're in and how this pandemic has really shaped things, because as a coach, I would always try to make my clients excited about the job search right now, I'm sure it seems very anxiety ridden. And and I get that. And I get that. Because it's almost like dating, you know, one, the fact that you have (laughs) decided to start looking for a job means that you're not willing to settle. It means that you're on to bigger and better and and greater, right? There should be Mm -hmm. some excitement and some joy and even just taking that step forward. Um, When it comes to getting these interviews, you know, that should be celebrated as well. We shouldn't wait until we get the job offered to celebrate because 
it is even challenging to get an interview. So how to stay motivated, take your goals and Mm -hmm. break them down into micro goals. So small little ones, right? Applying to X amount of jobs, networking with X amount of people, reworking your resume, reworking your LinkedIn, things like that finding networking or like online networking events to attend, Mm. like set micro goals for that. That way you can track your own progress. The way you don't want to track your progress is, okay, I've applied to 10 jobs. I've gotten two no's and I've gotten one yes for an interview. No, no, no. That's not how you want to track your progress. I mean, you do want to track that, right? But there are also other things that you can track as well. Right. I think that that mindset shift from external validation to internal benchmarks that you've set over things you actually have some control over is a really key point. To carry your comparison even further on the dating front, you can't control how someone else feels on a date, right? You can just show up and be your best, put your best foot forward, be your most authentic self, you know, be vulnerable, be willing to to show up and and give it your all and and recognize how you're feeling, mm-hmm. but you can't control how someone else is feeling. And similarly, yes. there are many variables in the job search that are just not in your control as a job seeker. But what is in your control is, am I showing up for myself again? Am I picking myself back up off the floor, brushing my shoulders off and trying again? And it's easier said than done, of course. I I think your point is valid, especially for some of my older clients. Um, I think the job search has changed vastly in the past decade. Mm -hmm. And so for folks who are listening who haven't searched for a job since, I don't know, the early aughts, we were used to getting a lot more interviews and the ratio of applications to interviews or callbacks or conversations even were higher there's going to be a lot of rejection on this path, right? And and bracing yourself for that reality is so important. Yes, yes. And knowing that there are going to be obstacles, like you will probably get some no's, right? Mm-hmm. And just already having that in your mind and knowing that, okay, the more no's I get, the closer it is getting me to that yes. Right. I've coached so many people who have, really lost just that optimism in the job search process if they get one or two no's. And I always tell them, hey, keep at it, keep applying, keep interviewing, keep networking. When the right job comes, Mm -hmm. you will know and it will just feel right. And every single client that has gotten a job has always told me that that was true. They were glad that the other opportunities didn't work out because the job that they finally accepted it was a win-win situation on both sides. And you really said a word when it comes to comparing the job search process to dating. If I can just add a little bit more to that. Please. Also, don't compromise yourself, right? Like don't try to <laughs> yes. be someone that you are not just to make yourself look good to the employer. Because if you do that, even with dating, right? Like if you do that, mm-hmm. maybe you're not a Hills girl right? Maybe you like to wear sneakers, but maybe the person that you're dating really wants you in heels. Like you try to wear heels, you're wearing these heels and then you're walking crazy. You can't really walk in heels (laughs) or you don't feel confident because that's not you. Like at the end of the day, you are going to be found out. And I would also say integrity, I think is so important in 2020 and aligning your values 
with the company's values. And I think that's going to be mm. even more important, you know, after this election and going into 2021. Yeah. I think you're right. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I struggle with as someone who cares a lot about diversity and inclusion, and I know this is true Mm -hmm. for you, but also as a career coach who counsels folks through the job search process, is how to navigate the realities of ageism, sexism, racism, ableism, whatever isms Mm -hmm. we're talking about, these huge systemic forces that are unfortunate realities, right? They're just, just this, this is part of the water we swim in. And yet, as individuals, we feel sometimes quite helpless up, when mm-hmm. up against. And I have, I have a lot of clients in my job search program, again, on the more experienced end of the age spectrum, who come to me saying, I'm running into ageism. And I say, yes, you probably mm-hmm. are. And what are we going to do about it? I always find myself saying, we have to play the cards we've been dealt while we change mm-hmm. the game, hopefully lifting as we climb and changing the realities for those who come after us. But in the meantime, like, how do you even mentally wrap your head around going up against systemic bias as a job search client or as a job seeker and get up every day and face that music. Ageism, sexism, misogyny, racism, all ableism, like the list goes on. It's so, it is so unfortunate. Um, You know, just the realities that we know that people are dealing with. So my heart goes out to everyone who was looking to battle those things while also pursuing Mm. their career goals. You do want to make sure, though, that could this potentially be a barrier? You know, it can. And I am not the type of coach, and I can tell that you are not either, to shy away from reality, you know, to do that toxic positivity, like everything will be okay. People are actually facing real things. What I will say, though, is that for some of my more seasoned clients or even and someone who reached out to me online a week ago and she said, nobody is hiring me. I'm 48. Right. And I'm like, yeah, like that's not true. 48 is so right. not old. Right. And so the thing is, if you lead with that mindset, you know, you will already right. be less confident in the interview. You're going to be less confident in the actual just journey itself as you are having conversations don't focus so much on like the things about yourself that you can't change right when you go into these conversations like I've had clients as I'm prepping them for like an informational interview they'll go into it with a whole list of here is why I may not be the best fit for this role. Can you help me understand how to deal with that? Right. One of my clients did yeah. this. Uh, we were talking a couple of weeks ago and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like you don't want to bring any further attention to those things. You are, you right. are great. Like you have so many other assets and traits and skills that you really need to bring to the table and you got to be more strategic in your conversation. Now, Representation is extremely important. So when you are going through the interview process, it is important to pay attention to who are you speaking with? 
how are they talking about their experiences at the company? Again, we go into mm. these conversations and interviews just really focused on trying to sell ourselves or like make sure we say the right thing without really understanding if the company is the right place for us to be in where right. we can thrive. So when you get into these interviews, like you got to ask the questions, you got to do the research, you know, see what they're putting out, these companies, see what they're putting out on social media, what's going on in the news so that you can make an informed and educated decision on is this the right environment where mm. someone else may say that you're overqualified for a position. Someone else can say, you know what, you have the perfect type of experience that we are looking for. So it's not just a, you know, one um, one and done thing or an issue here. Like, again, what makes you different? That should be appreciated at the company that you are with. And we have to make sure that we're walking into these conversations, knowing what it is we're looking for, so that we can also be just as choosy as these employers are. I love that mentality. It's going from one of leading with insecurity, which feels understandable, right? I know why we might do that. It's kind of like if we express it, it leaves our body a little bit. (laughs) But that doesn't help your case from a strategic messaging standpoint. So instead of leading with insecurity, leading Mm -hmm. with strength, leading with here's why I am a great fit. Here's why I do belong. Um, And then and maintaining that choosiness, maintaining confidence in your value and looking for someone who's willing to bring you value in return. You know, it's, it's a hard reality that that mindset matters so much in the face of all of this. It does. It does. And, you know, I've been doing this work for years now. When I first started in this field, my goal was to let me teach people how to get a job or how to land a job at this company by doing X, Y, and Z, basically teaching Mm. them how to fit into this box that would make them look more desirable and attractive to an employer. But I've seen so much and I've had so many conversations to where my own mentality has completely changed. And I think that's something that makes me just stand out in the industry is that I am all for candidate advocacy, right? I'm not going to teach anyone like, here's how you fit in this box. My thing is, let's figure out what your actual box (laughs) looks like. And then we can find an employer or company that can allow you to be just as comfortable as you want in your box. Yeah, that's uh, I love that. And hell yeah to candidate advocacy. My background is in politics and advocacy. Ooh, I love it. So starting a career company from that perspective is so aligned with what we're all about nice. here. Okay, I've got some quick questions okay. for you. Sort of a rapid fire series here from the recruiter's perspective or a former yes. recruiter career coach perspective. Some job search do's and don'ts I want to ask you about. You ready? ready? <laughs> All right. Feel free to say do or don't and then elaborate as as needed. So Okay. I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. <laughs> don't be nervous. They're, they're totally... I feel like I'm honestly advocating on behalf of all my clients here because they ask me these questions all the time. So one, should I email to follow up with a an interviewer or a job that I've applied to after I haven't heard anything for a week? Yes or no? I say yes. The reason why... 
I say yes is it depends if you ask them and you by the end of every interview, you will want to ask them for a timeline. So if they do say one week, you don't hear anything, give it a week and a half, you know, and then follow up mm-hmm. just to keep you top of uh, mind. And also that will help you to try to control the process as much as possible with like what I mean by that is let's say you're, you're interviewing with other companies, you have other offers, you do want to understand the company's timeline. Yeah, I say follow up. And also, you just never know what is going on on the other side. You know, perhaps there are some interviewers that are out. They're pending feedback from the actual interviewers or they're still trying to get other interviews scheduled. So, yeah, don't be afraid to uh, follow up and reach out and inquire on an update. Nice. Similarly, should I DM the interviewer? Should I LinkedIn connect with them? Should I slide into their Instagram DMs? Are those the same thing? What do you think about that? Great question. I would say (laughs) sliding into DMs is, I would say not appropriate for certain social media apps. You know, LinkedIn is, of Mm. course, like the most professional social networking platform that we have. But I would not reach out via LinkedIn or anything unless you send them a connection request, personalize that request, but it's better Mm -hmm. to follow up, I think, via email, unless you have a personal relationship with someone. And this is why I really Mm -hmm. harp on the importance of building a referral network. Having a referral at a company will get your resume seen a lot more quicker than you just kind of applying and hoping to hear back, you can always reach out to that referral that you have and say, hey, what's going on? Have you heard anything? Have, have you seen anything? If they are a, totally. if they are a referral um, and the company has a referral program, those companies compensate people for referring great talent. And so they will likely want you to get the job just as much as you want it. So this is where you want to rely on your referrals a bit more. I'm going to jump ahead to that question then because I've got a referral specific question for you. Do or don't. I have a friend's cousin's sister's auntie's niece at a company. Should I ask them for a referral? Yes. Now, that's that's my opinion. I would love to hear yours. But yeah, I say heck yeah, because listen, mama, aunties, baby, daddy, neighbor, cousins, landscapers. I don't care. Okay, if you are a direct connection to this company, facilitate somebody, one of those, that's great because it seems like there's a long line of connections. So with that being said, somebody can connect you with that person. You have a conversation with them. You go into that conversation confident. You know, you have some questions for them. Get to know that person as well. Don't just make it all about Mm -hmm. the job. Ask them what their experience is like there. How do they like it? Are they getting what they need to grow professionally there? Build an actual Mm -hmm. relationship, right? And then you get the referral. But yes, and we have to stop being scared to get referrals and ask for help. Mm -hmm. We have to understand that people hire people, okay? Like Mm -hmm. people hire people. We need people in this process. And again, Looking for a job isn't a weakness. I I hate how we kind of look at it. You know, it's like, oh, if someone's looking for a job, they yeah. must not be doing good at their current job. No, they just want more for their lives. And they figured out either better or new ways that they want to add value and contribute to 
society. So frame, reframe your mindset and then go into it with that mentality, right? Again, if you get a referral and this person refers you and you get the job, it's a win-win mm-hmm. situation, right? It's not like you are trying to, you know, borrow some money and never pay them back. Like you are also adding value in this process as well. I totally agree. I hear from way too many clients who say, I can't, I can't ask them for a referral because I don't really know them. I'm like, so get to know them. Let's talk about getting to know them because that is a hundred percent sound advice. So thank you for that. Last rapid fire question here. I have been looking for a job for a long time and I decide to take just like a bridge job, something to tide me over. Mm-hmm. But three months in, I'm interviewing again. How does a recruiter look at someone who's hopped around a little bit <laughs> and had a few short-term jobs? Is that a a no-no, a do or a don't or a don't let it hold you back kind of thing? Don't let it hold you back. And it's all about the story. Mm. You know, I think it's all about the story. I tweeted this like earlier this year or maybe a month or two ago again, 2020, who knows and understands what timeline, what an actual timeline is. But I tweeted this and I said, can companies just not ask about short term employment or gaps in 2020? (laughs) And it went viral because people are, you know, getting laid off and there's hiring freezes and furloughs and all of these things. So the job market has been really, really hectic. And therefore, I don't know if anyone's resume in 2020 really makes a lot of sense. (laughs) But saying all that to say, tell a story. Don't focus on the time, but just know that that likely will be a question that we'll be asking the interview. And so if you took a bridge job, was it to, was it because you were laid off? Like, you know, what exactly happened there? What was your goal of taking this bridge job? How have you contributed there and added value? What skills have you been able to develop from the bridge job? And just how can your experience in the past and what you're currently doing be applied to how you can add value in the current role? So sometimes you got to do what you got to do, yep. tell a story there and, you know, sell it if you can. <laughs> yes. I love that advice, Leticia. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to, before we let you go, hear more about your amazing career services, including the Career Chasers Members Club. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. This was a fun conversation. So <laughs> you can find me at LeticiaBird.com. I work at the intersection of three things, that is career empowerment, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and leadership development. So I teach tons of workshops on those topics. I also consult companies on how to build equity and inclusion in their town acquisition uh, process and strategies. But my biggest thing, I guess I do a lot of things, but I will say my biggest thing and favorite thing is running my membership club. And that is an online membership club for black and brown women that are seeking career development, ongoing uh, support in a community of like-minded women. So we got about 600 members in the club. We are in 11 different countries and we're in over 20 industries. And that is careerchasersclub.com. 
That's awesome. Nice job with everything, Leticia. I'm just so impressed with your work and it's been a delight chatting with you. Thanks so much for joining me here. Yeah, thank you. To get the full show notes from today's episode, head to bossedup.org slash episode 280. That's bossedup.org slash episode 280. And I'd love to hear your feedback on what Letitia and I covered today. So don't hesitate to DM me or tag me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Emily Aries or at BossedUpOrg. And now it's time for this week's Boss Move of the Week. Today's Boss Move comes in from Katie in the Bossed Up Courage community who wrote this. I put together a thoughtful and elaborate proposal to move my position remote to support my family in another state. This week, I received approval. This move allows my partner and I to reach a number of personal and professional goals. First of all, congratulations, Katie. I'm so proud of you. And when I shared my congrats in the Courage community, Katie wrote back by saying, thank you so much. I learned much about the art of negotiation from Bossed Up. Ain't that the truth, though? I love negotiation. I'm a total negotiation nerd. And if you haven't already, get my free comprehensive guide to negotiating like a boss at bossedup.org slash negotiation. And if you want to prepare for your next negotiation and really, whether you're looking for an end of year raise or preparing to negotiate your next new job offer, you can get my personalized coaching, guidance, and interactive training on my upcoming live masterclass, Negotiating Now, How to Ask for More in 2020. It's coming up November 17 at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can secure your spot right now at bossedup.org slash negotiation live. I'll drop all of those links and more in today's show notes, and I want to thank you so much for all you do in really carrying forward that original motto from America's first Black Women's Club way back in 1896, whose motto was lifting as we climb. I'll end on that note with appreciation for all of you for listening. And if you found this week's podcast conversation or really any of our recent podcasts helpful, take a moment to share your words and your review in Apple Podcasts. Your ratings and reviews go a long way in helping spread the word about Bossed Up and get more listeners in our podcast pal party here. So let's continue to advocate for ourselves and others and lift as we climb.